The detonation of the Nord Stream pipelines. What does this mean for us? What does it mean where, for where we're going? What does it mean for our children? And does it mean World War III? We're going to break all that down today. Also, incredible announcement. So much to announce. Episode 2 is out of the Great Global Reset. Check it out. TPOSA.com slash reset. But then also, we've got the first announcement for America Fest. We've got the lineup. So remember, promo code POSO gets you 25% off. Here's the America Fest lineup as it stands today. Could be added. More could be added. Charlie Kirk, Tucker Carlson, Steve Bannon, myself, Benny Johnson, Senator Josh Hawley, Kaylee McEnany, Candace Owens, Tim Poole, Lauren Chen, George Farmer, Mike Lindell, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, and Ali Beth Stuckey. Folks, I will see you there. AmericaFest, AmFest.com, backslash POSO. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard tonight's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is September 27th, 2022, Anno Domini. Today's top headlines, European leaders have announced that the Nord Stream pipeline explosion was a deliberate attack. We're going to break down the latest next. The North Dakota man who allegedly killed a teenager claiming he was a Republican extremist, Shannon Brand, is now out on low bond and was not given house arrest or curfew. We're going to follow this up with the court documents. Third, New Orleans, the murder capital of America, has now having to hire civilians to do police work in the wake of a cop exodus, the blue flu. And then finally, a new research paper is out questioning the benefits of the war on terror itself. All this and more head Human Events Daily. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. What, do, what how will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project. And control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. So the latest that we have, the time of air is this. The Nord Stream pipelines, both one and two, were destroyed late last night. It was first noticed by a drop in pressure that was received through the pipeline at its external end where it reaches Europe. Those pipelines are critical for supplying gas to the European continent at their capacity going into this winter. Now, we don't know if they'll able to be able to be repaired. Obviously, they're connected to Russia. So we have no idea what's going to happen. Clearly, this shows massive, massive escalation in the tensions between the two sides. And it's certainly one of those things that I think going into this, everybody was wondering, will Nord Stream 2 become a flashpoint, not just in terms of negotiations, but because of the fact that it's a physical target sitting right there. Looked it up, it's about 100 meters below the surface of the Baltic Sea that runs between Northern Germany and Russia. So the question of course becomes, what happened? Well, seismic readings 
came out from the Uppsala University in Sweden. And those seismic readings showed, and the researchers came out and backed this up, two massive movements on the seismic register that coincide with the explosions. And now what they said was, look, this was not an earthquake. It's not consistent with an earthquake. Of course, the earthquake, you'd have tremors, you'd have things leading up to it. This wasn't that. Two sudden seismic events. And then the other question becomes, well, could it be a malfunction? Well, maybe one, but two at the same time? Come on, that's not a malfunction. So European leaders, European officials have come out, Sweden, Denmark, more probably coming out now saying that they believe that this was a deliberate attack. And Der Spiegel has an article up. Der Spiegel says, and this is the tra translated from the German, because I don't speak Nazi, um, CIA warned federal government against attack on Baltic Sea pipelines. The signs of a planned attack against the two Nord Stream gas lines are condensing, according to Spiegel information. There were already indications of this from the United States in advance. But they, what's interesting, though, is Der Spiegel goes a step further and they examine who would benefit from this. So it says, from Ukraine's point of view, the permanent interruption of gas supplies from Russia to Germany would be a possible interest in the room. On the contrary, though, there would be immense political disadvantages that could arise from the attack. In addition, Ukrainian special forces are also not trusted to take such an action in the respective places the Baltic Sea is about 70 meters deep. Russian special forces, on the other hand, could be trusted with such an operation. However, uh, pulling it up here. However, a political interest for Russia is hardly recognizable, except for the incident of blaming other parties. And so there's former uh, Polish officials coming out saying, thank you, USA. There's all sorts of things going on. People are going to be pointing fingers like this on this like crazy. We knew this would be a flashpoint. It has become a flashpoint. We've seen other naval flashpoints around the world, whether it's the Gulf of Tonkin, whether it's the Lusitania, whether it's the USS Maine, that have led to major conflicts. And so I hope and pray that this does not become one of those incidents, that we look at this with cold, sober eyes, and we say, it's not worth World War III. None of this is worth World War III. Go to the drawing board, stop the war, stop the killing, come up with a way to find peace. You got to make a deal. Make a deal. Come down. And even if you don't like everybody, okay, that's the point of negotiations. That's the point of deal. It's still better than World War III. If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. And the left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and clients who believe in the sanctity of life and freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you and your family, even your business. They offer the same great nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash POSO and get free activation with promo code POSO and special discounts available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement, make the switch today, and get a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com slash POSO. Link in the description. All across our country, Americans are discovering that if we want to change this nation, 
We must change the way that the marketplace works. Woke corporations are seeking to divide us. Big banks are freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent upon countries that actively work against our values. It's time for another change. And that change starts with you and your wallet. That's why I'm proud to partner with Public Square, the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses our nation has ever seen. Public Square is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share their values. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against the COVID mandates, or a bank that would never cancel you for your political views, Public Square is your guide. Just download the Public Square app from the Apple App Store or Google Play, create a free account, and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can find you today. Go to the app today, Public Square. That's Public Square, Public SQ. Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. And they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. The willingness to engage in political violence is fatal to democracy. More and more talk about violence as an acceptable political tool in this country. There is no place for political violence in America, period. None, ever. No place for political violence. Well, here's the situation. There was political violence that was claimed by a man named Shannon Brandt, North Dakota, small town there, McHenry, North Dakota, Foster County, where he's being prosecuted now, who ran over and killed a teenager. We're told, by the way, that he did this because of a political disagreement and because he believed he was an extreme Republican. This was two weeks, just two weeks, after President Biden's hate speech. Now, Brandt has not been charged with murder. So we see another one of these situations where someone is not being charged, just like Alec Baldwin. Okay, so Baldwin we know he might be charged. It's been almost a year, by the way, since Alec Baldwin killed his coworker on video. Killed his coworker on video, not charged for a year. If you or I did that, oh, we'd be charged very quickly. Shannon Brandt, not charged with murder, even though he admitted to deliberately doing this. Okay. What do we have here in the new court documents? Well, the post-millennial has the story. 41-year-old Brandt, who has been charged with vehicular homicide, just vehicular homicide, and leaving the scene of a deadly accident, was released after posting a $50,000 bond, something that former U.S. attorney Nima Rahman said is very low and woefully adequate. We're also finding out that upon his release, he was not given curfew, and he certainly was not given house arrest. He's, he's been charged with this thing, posted bail, let right out. Meanwhile, we've got J J6 prisoners that have been languishing behind bars for protesting. We've got political prisoners that the Biden regime has held in prison for nearly two years at this point. Some of them without even a trial. So when they go over to Italy and they say that, well, Georgia Maloney, she's a, she's a neo-fascist. She hasn't even gotten on the job yet. Okay, Georgia Maloney's not even on the job. We've got political prisoners in jail here in the United States. We've got censorship 
everywhere in the United States. We've got biomedical edicts coming out from our government, from our workplaces, from the military, a military purge, by the way, that's going on. Insane levels of prosecution and persecution of the political opposition. But George Maloney's the problem. Meanwhile, you've got guys like this guy, Brandt, who, by his admission, ran over a teenager because of a political dispute, because he believed that he was a, quote, Republican extremist, even though they haven't been able to find any evidence of that whatsoever. That is what's going on in our, in our world. That's what's going on in our country. So connect it to the last segment, connect it to the earlier thing we were talking about. You're looking potentially at World War III going on, breaking out in Europe, by the way, not far from the city of Gdansk, which the Germans refer to as Danzig, which is where the last world war broke out. It's literally that exact same flashpoint right between uh, Germany and Poland where World War II broke out. Right there on the map is now we're looking at this for Nord Stream. Go back, and now here in the United States, we're in some kind of low-level civil war, in a sense, you don't think we are, go walk down a street wearing a political shirt, describing yourself as a conservative. You might almost call it a great reset. Well, we certainly do. And episode two, by the by, of the Great Reset docuseries has just dropped, tpsa.com slash reset. Go check this out right now. Make sure you see myself, the beautiful and lovely Tanya Tay Posobic. The great Savannah Hernandez is in this thing and the incredible Morgan Zegers, plus my brother, Kevin Poso, might just be in there a little bit. Yes, murder capital of the United States, right here, New Orleans. Our city has officially surpassed St. Louis as the murder capital of the country, according to the Wall Street Journal. The double homicide in Treme and the killing of a juvenile on Saturday night brings the 2022 homicide total to at least 209 as of yesterday. You know, new data from the Metropolitan Crime Commission reveals New Orleans is outpacing cities like Chicago and St. Louis, cities infamously known for their crime and murder rates. This year alone, homicides are now up 44% compared to 2021. And keep in mind, the crime crisis continues to grow and it happens at the time when the city's police force is experiencing a major staffing shortage. Ah, the city of New Orleans, the big easy. You know, I I'm gonna say it right now. I've never been a huge fan of New Orleans. Personally, my favorite Southern city has always been Savannah. Yes, that's right, Savannah. No, I'm talking about Savannah Hernandez. That's Savannah with one N. I'm talking about the city of Savannah in Georgia. I think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing. Look, I, we all know New Orleans has that nice quarter, that one nice quarter, but that's just one part of the city. The rest of the city, eh, not a huge fan. Um, big fan of Savannah. We try to stop every time we're in town, every time we're going up 95 or something, which has happened a couple of times. And... We're going to get a flight home from the last CPAC. So we had to uh, drive up and we spent the night in Savannah. It's also a little bit of history there. And not to go too far down the tangent, but then again, you are watching Human Events Daily. So that's what we do here. That it was the great Polish hussar, Kazimierz Pulaski, who came and trained the American cavalry 
um, in the Revolutionary War actually died in the Battle of Savannah. And so his grave is in one of the squares right in Pulaski, or excuse me, right in Savannah, Pulaski Square. And so we always go, we just kind of, you know, like when, when you're Polish growing up in the United States, you know, you got to look, the Italians have Columbus, the Poles have Pulaski. You know what I'm saying? But here's what's going on down in New Orleans. New Orleans has now been named the murder capital of America. Congratulations. Here's a pat on the back. Give yourselves. There you go. Wonderful. Because the bodies are dropping in every major city in the United States. But New Orleans, you're currently number one. Good job. You did it. So the police there are saying that they're so inundated with crime in the streets, they have to hire civilians to do police work in the wake of a cop exodus by the way this is one of those things that they'll do to try to uh to try to claim they say oh well you know it's it's what about the murders in in uh red states are actually higher and says well yeah but it's blue cities in those red states so yeah louisiana's a red state but not new orleans st louis is the same deal in missouri missouri's a red state but not st louis right so this is what they do over and over again and by the way when you look at those those other states out there like new york or Illinois, great examples, huge, massive swaths of red area, but the population of the main cities are so big, or one just city, just one city in uh, Illinois, it really just kind of swings the entire state. So we're hearing now, the New Orleans Police Department superintendent says, as we take over the phone, take calls over the phone, there may be some evidence that needs to be collected with that call. We'll have civilian investigators then go out and collect evidence instead of having an officer go out there. So you've got a higher contract that they're contracting out the police work in New Orleans because it's gotten so bad of the crime. And here's this is this it's the same problem across the country, right? Go and look at one of these other leaders in the world and how they deal with problems. And they'll tell you it's very simple. It's very, very simple. How did you deal with crime in your country? We locked up the criminals. How did you deal with the drug dealers? We put them away. In some cases, they got the death penalty. It was egregious enough. How did you deal with immigration? We closed our borders. No issue. The mass immigration never happened. We pushed back on the EU, whatever it was, right? Like Italy's doing right now. These problems are not new. These problems do not have or require complex solutions. They simply require solutions that might be a little anti-woke, might be a little not so politically correct, but they're simple, they're effective, they're time-tested, and they work. We need to take back control of our cities. But until then, I don't recommend that you or your family go anywhere near there. Their country to build our way of ease and kept them enslaved and living in fear. Terrorism. We bombed Grenada and killed innocent civilians, babies, non-military personnel. We bombed the black civilian community of Panama with stealth bombers and killed unarmed teenagers and toddlers, pregnant mothers and hardworking fathers. We bombed Gaddafi's home and killed his child. Blessed are they who bash your children's head against the rock. We we bombed Hiroshima, we bombed Nagasaki, and we nuked far more than the thousands in New York and the Pentagon, and we never batted an eye. We have supported state terrorism against the Palestinians and black South Africans, and now we are indignant 
because the stuff we have done overseas is now brought right back into our own front yards. America's chickens are coming home to roost. I kind of miss Jeremiah Wright. Don't you guys, don't you miss Jeremiah Wright a little bit? You guys remember him. He's the guy that officiated Barack Obama's wedding and Michelle Obama baptized his children, the girls, and that was their pastor for something, what, like 30 years, 20 years, until Barack Obama disavowed him when he was running for president in 2008. But you listen to that, that guy knows how to cut a promo, right? Am I right? Am I right? I'm wrong. That, that's a heel right there. If you're going to go, you got to go hard. I never forgot that America's chickens are coming home to roost. Right? Just, you got you to nail it, right? The guy just sells it. And of course, Barack Obama said he never heard any of those things, even though we sat in the front row for all those years. Well, the question becomes the war on terror. And that's what we're talking about today. So there's a new piece out from the Institute for Peace and Diplomacy. And it's written by the great Max Abrams. And it's, the title is The Benefits of Counterterrorism Restraint in a Diminished Terrorism Threat Environment. And the question is, it actually starts to get into the benefits of the war on terror. Should the U.S. and its allies use kinetic operations to counter terrorism threats? No foreign policy question has been more important since the September 11th attacks, particularly when it comes to formulating Middle East policy. In rare cases, the urgency of the threat answers this question. The decision to go after al-Qaeda in Afghanistan was a no-brainer. Replace George W. Bush with any other American president, and the response would have essentially been the same. Although the 20-year occupation of Afghanistan would not have happened under different American leadership, the decision to target al-Qaeda's leaders after the worst terrorist attack in history was automatic, inevitable, and wise. The same is true of the decision to target the Islamic State once the group was attracting thousands of foreign fighters from around the world. But today, the international terrorism threat is not blinking red, making our counterterrorism response less clear. And so the point is, I think this is very interesting. So it kind of gets into this idea of when do you want to put boots on the ground as opposed to deploying drone strikes uh, or using special operations? And I really think that we've gotten to this point, certainly Al-Qaeda, ISIS, their shadows, their former selves, Somalia, right? The terrorists there, Syria. Do these operations directly benefit the homeland? Compare that to the narco-terrorist organizations operating our southern border. So I commend Max Abrams for always being, being a voice for truth and a voice for honesty and a voice, for, a voice simply for sanity in an increasingly insane world. Coming forward and saying, no, we don't need to invade the world, we don't need to be the world police, but we should have to look after our own interests rather than trying to occupy the entire rest of the world. And that's all the time we have today, Human Events Daily. Remember, as always, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you, be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us, give this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and then leave us your five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. One other piece of homework I want to give you guys, by the way, the FBI whistleblower from Turning Point USA. New interview is out. So you go to tpusa.com. You check that out right now immediately. Absolutely explosive. He talks about how the current FBI is targeting the Patriots. Check it out. TPUSA.com. It's up on Rumble. What do we talk about today? European leaders announced that the Nord Stream pipelines were exploded, were destroyed, essentially, in a deliberate attack. Next, North, the North Dakota man who killed a teenager 
claiming that he was a Republican extremist, is out on low bond, no house arrest, of course, not locked up like J6. Third, New Orleans, the murder capital of America, hiring civilians to do the work that the police can't handle or the police are inundated with. And then finally, a new research paper out questioning the benefits of the war on terror. How should we conduct ourselves going forward? We have to deal with threats. We have to defend our country. But we have to understand that what we're doing, what we're doing, could create more problems. If someone's a threat to you, a direct threat to you, an imminent threat to you, then you respond with force. But in these other instances, come on, let's be serious. But today's uh, history moment is really interesting. This one, French scholar Jean-Francois Champion, this day, 1822. Because we have to understand our history, we have to understand. If we're going to defend the West, we have to defend Western civilization and defend the achievements, the deciphering of the Egyptian Rosetta Stone, the hieroglyphics, thanks to Emperor Napoleon's invasion of Egypt. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.